Hey, good morning everyone. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Today is Mother's Day. In case you fellas listening have been in a hole somewhere, uh, it's Mother's Day. We get to celebrate how awesome our moms are. And so, um, fellas, it's not too late to go out and get you something for your wives and for your moms. Uh, so make sure you do that. Happy Mother's Day, moms. We appreciate you. Uh, it's, I think it's kind of cool that uh, Teacher Appreciation Week and Mother's Day are on the same week. Um, you know, I have a mom <laughs> and my wife is a teacher and so I've come to appreciate both of them and how hard they, uh, they work to not only take care of our family but just others and so I appreciate them. So Happy Mother's Day to all the moms watching and listening in and uh, the, world, the world functions because of you um, and it's a lot cleaner. and. Uh, softer <laughs> with you so thank you moms we appreciate you um hope you guys are doing well today it's a it's a good sunday morning i am uh, glad to be here with you guys um i know everybody is anxious to meet again and um i am too but uh in due time until then we're just going to continue pressing on opening god's word together just a couple of announcements I want to share with you um before we jump into the word um in case you guys, um, um, you know, yeah, it's Mother's Day, but I um, wanted to remind you about our Tuesday night uh, Zoom small group. Last week we had to cancel. I was feeling a bit under the weather, uh, but thanks to uh, a pretty good antibiotic, um, your boy's doing much better. So appreciate, uh, appreciate that. And don't worry, it wasn't the Rona. Um, but we're going to meet again this thir Tuesday at 730 on Zoom. And I would hope that you guys would, um, would join us. You know, we've had a, a good number of people sh uh, show up and be a part of that. But I would love for, for some new folks to come in and be a part of that with us. So if you get a chance, be looking on our Facebook page for that information. And we might send out a text letting everybody know um, when that's going down. But Thursday night, 7.30 p.m., um, it'll be great. Um, so I would love for you guys to join us for that. Uh, last announcement I want to share with you guys as, um, is we got some new shirts. You probably can't see it, but these are our I Like Sunday shirts that we got. And so we've got them for an uh, orange for our, our orange red for adults. And then we've got them in blue for the kiddos. So we'll be selling those pretty soon. Um, so be looking for that. But we just wanted to um, provide a little something for, for West Oaks so you guys can walk around your hood and, and, and rep, our, rep our church. So there you go. Um, yeah, but that's all the announcements I want to share with you guys today. Um, as always, if you you know, are interested in what's going on, you can always hit up our website, westoakschurch.com. Uh, we're still taking um, applications, or not applications, we're still uh, sign-ups for baptism. So if you want to be baptized, go ahead and go to our website. It's the first banner you'll see on our page. So go ahead and sign up there, and we'll give you a shout. Um, but yeah, that's our announcements for today. I don't want to spend too long talking about these because announcements are boring. So there you go. I want to continue today with our series on faith. Uh, last week we talked about what faith was and is and our reasons for it. And uh, we, we define this phrase of faith and that is faith is living as though God exists and he keeps all his promises. That's our definition of faith. And uh, we can have faith or we can trust in God because he's faithful. So um, that's kind of what we talked about last week. And th this week, we want to go ahead and continue on with our, our series on faith. And that is today we want to look at what, uh, what faith has to do with fear and anxiety and how that works together. And so um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible, open it up. I'll be reading out of the CSB. Uh, it's okay. You can read whatever you want. Um, 
Uh, but I want to go ahead and, and give you kind of a summarization of what's going on while you flip there. Uh, Luke chapter 12. Um, this is a passage that Jesus um, may sound like is um, kind of, uh, it's, it's quoted in another one of the Gospels, and it may sound a little different. But that's because Jesus most likely told this um, the, these statements a couple times. Obviously, preachers are really good at repet, repetition, right? Uh, and so, um, but here in this setting in Luke chapter 12 is a pretty cool little story here. Um, Jesus is sharing with a large crowd of people what it takes to be a part of his kingdom. And so the disciples are there. There's like thousands of people, like thousands of people are showing up to be there. And so Jesus is explaining to all of these people what it takes to be in his kingdom. And then out of nowhere, some dude interrupts him, right? And he's like, hey, Jesus, uh, I need you to tell my brother to, to split the inheritance with me. And, and so Jesus is like, you know, in the middle of, of teaching these thousands of people something important, right? The kingdom. And um, this guy's like, hey, hold up, Jesus, um, my brother here. Um, yeah, I, I want the inheritance. I want part of it. Can you can you convince him to split it for me? And so um, it's really kind of funny how this guy just kind of interrupts Jesus in the middle of this. And so Jesus does something amazing. He tells, again, a story, a parable. And so um, he says, you know, he, he tells a story. And so uh, here's a story, verse 16. It goes like this. A rich man's land was very productive, Jesus says. So this man thought to himself, what should I do since I, I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. I'll store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you've got many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And so Jesus tells this story as a response to this man interrupting his, his teaching about the kingdom of God and what it takes to be in the kingdom of God. And, and he does... He, he makes it about himself. And so Jesus is like trying to, to talk to these, these people about the kingdom. And in the midst of the interruption, he goes from telling the story to talking about anxiety and fear. And you probably can hear my air compressor in my garage going off. Isn't that funny how that happens at the worst time? And so Jesus, um, he's interrupted by this man who's longing for him to weigh in on this matter. And it reveals in this story something that we all kind of wrestle with. And that's this idea of greed. And y'all are like, hold up, I'm not greedy, right? I'm barely making it. How can I be greedy? Um, but, but he's talking about this desire for the inheritance. He feels like he deserves a fair share. And so in, in these days, it was customary for the inheritance to be given to the eldest son. And, and from there, um, then he could do what he would want with it. And so we don't know if this guy most likely is not the oldest son, but he wants some of the inheritance. And so he wants what he feels like belongs to him. And this is not abnormal for us, right? Like um, this, th we, we feel like we deserve things that we work hard for. But, but Jesus goes from, from this conversation with this man in front of thousands of people to directly to talking about fear and anxiety and 
And so we see in verses 22 through 34, he, he, he talks about it. So let's read it. He says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or about the body or what you'll wear. All right, Jesus. Um, he says, verse 23, For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. And all the ladies are like, hold up. Um, 24, he says, consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, uh, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add a cubit to his height by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Verse 27, he says, now consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I'd tell you not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown in the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't keep striving for what you should eat or what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided to you. So don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Remember, that's how this whole story got started, is Jesus is talking about the kingdom, right? And so he says in verse 33, Now sell your possessions and give to the poor. Uh-oh. Um, make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, and an inexhaustible treasure in heaven, where no thief comes and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, and so Jesus is talking about the kingdom. He gets interrupted by some dude who wants some money. Jesus tells a story about a guy who, who's wealthy. He's got land. He grows crops. He's got barns full. He decides, I'm going to knock down these barns and build bigger ones so I can have more crops. And then he goes on and says, don't be anxious about Boom, 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 boom. And he goes through the list, this litany of. And so it would appear that Jesus is alluding to something in the parable, which would be this concept of fear and anxiety. And how does this work with faith? Because that's kind of important, right? Like this whole series is about faith. And so um, the story sparked by this man's real question um, this uh, is interesting to me, right? It's this wealthy man deciding to tear down his barns, to fill larger ones, to store more crops. Um, this guy's successful. Um, he's got plenty. Um, but he does irrational things in order to maintain a certain security that those crops provided. Like, think about it. He, he's got barns full of crops, and, and instead of eating them or selling them, he decides, I'm going to knock down these barns so I can store more crops. I want bigger ones. And Jesus doesn't listen. Um, he doesn't tell this story in a way that makes this rich man seem bright and intelligent. He calls him a fool. Um, why? Maybe both this story that Jesus tells and the guy that asked the question, um, there's something in the story and in the question that we need to discuss. Maybe there's something there that we need to pay attention to. Both of them seem to be looking for earthly things, things on this earth, stuff, um, to provide comfort and peace in our lives, which honestly is, is kind of normal, right? Like, we, we, we need to eat. We, it's, 
important to not, it's important to have a home, a roof over our head. It's important to, to have these things. And so, but, but Jesus is talking about something deeper, right? Uh, when we think about faith, we have to deal with this issue of fear and anxiety. Um, everybody has fear. We're all afraid of something, right? And fear and anxiety are growing in our culture by the day, like by the day, right? And so I'll just be straight with you. I'm afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of heights. I'm not so afraid of heights. I'm afraid of falling from high places. Just throwing that out there. Um, but we all are afraid of something. And some of us, our fears are either bigger than others or it would appear that they're larger than others. Uh, some of our fears are maybe appear to be more irrational than others. But ultimately, fear and anxiety are growing in our culture, right? It's higher than ever. But I would argue that anxiety and fear have always been there. Um, Either way, life causes fear. I mean, have some kids, y'all. Like, you will get anxious, right? Uh, go to work and, and, and pay attention to what's happening outside, right, in our lifetime. There's, there's fear. Life causes it. And, and here's what happens. We look at earthly things in order to find ways to cope with that fear. Um, but these things don't cure the fear, and they don't cure the anxiety. They just seem to, to kind of keep it at bay. And Jesus appears to give the cure. Um, and so uh, if you look at this passage that we just read, you can see that, that Jesus isn't flirting with this concept. In fact, he says three times here, um, this is about being anxious and being afraid. And, and you know, the Bible was written, uh, and, and it wasn't written in sections, but people went in and add, kind of added numbers and, and took nuggets of thought and just kind of sectioned it off and added titles. And so maybe your Bible says something different than mine, but right above verse 22, mine says the cure for anxiety. Um, and so um, Jesus says in verse 22, check this out. He says in verse 22, don't worry. He says in verse 29, don't be anxious. He says in verse 32, don't be afraid. So in these short verses, three times Jesus tells us, hey, don't be anxious, don't be afraid, don't worry. And so Jesus gives us reasons why we shouldn't fear or be anxious or worry. He doesn't just tell us not to be. He actually gives us reasons. And so I want to look at that because I think it's important for us as Christians to be able to find this cure for anxiety. And the answer, it would appear, just giving you the, the answer, is faith. Right? Faith. And so let's think about this before we get further or you start getting mad and you're like, you're trying to say I don't have enough faith because I'm afraid. No, listen, what is faith? Our definition of faith is this. Faith is living, living as though God exists and he keeps all his promises. So what are our reasons? We got to look to the scripture. So verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body or what you'll wear for life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Food and clothes are important, y'all. One keeps us alive and the other keeps us out of jail, right? If you don't have clothes, they're probably going to arrest you for running around acting crazy. Uh, but, they, but these things also represent more than just the face value that we see. There's something deeper there. Food and clothing, these are things that we find ourselves relying on and can also be the very, thing, very things that give us peace of mind in, in struggle, right? Feeding ourselves and feeding our kids is a godly thing. Like, let's not, let's not get crazy with it, right? Um, the Bible even tells us that if we don't work, we don't eat. Like, that's biblical too, right? So it's important to feed yourself. It's important to feed your kids if you got them. Mom's been doing that for ages. Um, uh, I'm convinced that if moms weren't around, the kids wouldn't get fed. If you're in my house, my kids would just live off of mac and cheese and, and, 
and fish sticks. So there you go. Um, uh, but think about this, right? We, we're supposed to eat, but what happens if we miss a meal? Like we get a little grumpy. Maybe you miss two meals. What happens? You probably get a little weak, um, but you'll survive. If you miss a few meals, what, you're going to turn into one of those angry people on the Snickers commercials, right? And so it's important to eat. It's important to close yourself. Food is the most basic need. And often, um, if, often if we go without food, it changes our mindset. It changes our attitude. It changes the dynamic inside. And what happens is this, is it causes lots of feelings inside. And fear is a feeling. Uh, and so if we don't know where our next meal's coming from, we start to get motivated by that fear of not getting another one, right? And so fear is the cause of, of that motivation. But, but Jesus doesn't just talk about food. He, says, he talks about clothing. He says, um, don't worry about what you'll wear, right? Usually clothing was a way that people would distinguish their wealth in these days, right? And so if you were wealthy, you had pretty clothes. Uh, if you weren't, then you just didn't, you know? Um, but Here's the thing. I don't think people were stockpiling clothes like we are today. Like I, I think uh, I remember when my grandmother passed away. We went and cleaned out our house, and she had an entire room dedicated to just clothes. And I remember just thinking, "Oh my goodness, I don't know how people do that." Uh, but then I went to my house and looked at my sneaker collection. I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it now, right?" Um, people, people. <laughs> clothing was a way that we, we, we shared our wealth, but it was also a way that we expressed ourselves, right? And, and so why does Jesus bring up food and clothing in the same category when saying, don't, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you'll wear? I think because this, many of us live our lives like our sole purpose is to work, save, uh, acquire money and things, to fill our stomachs, to, to just get stuff. But Jesus says in verse 23 that you exist for a higher purpose than just what you eat and what you own. You and I are made for a greater purpose than just filling our stomachs, getting new cars, getting new clothes. And, and I stand here as one of those people that, that is not like condemning you for getting a new car and getting new clothes. But what I'm saying is this, is that we exist for something bigger than that, right? In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says this, that we are His creation created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we could walk in them. Listen, you and I were created by God for a purpose. What was, the, what was the point or what was the conversation initially about in Luke chapter 12? Building God's kingdom. Look, we were created by God not to just work, not to build our 401k. It wasn't to get the biggest house on the block. It wasn't to get the new side by side or, or get the nicest Gucci clothes, right? We exist to build God's kingdom. And so what happens is this, is anxiety and fear show up when we lose focus of the purpose. When we focus more on building those things instead of growing our faith, it, it shows us that our priorities are kind of out of whack. And so we have to recognize that we weren't created to build our own kingdoms filling our barns, buying our things, and bigger houses, and more boats. We were actually created by God to build His kingdom, which changes the perspective completely, right? So, you see, when we focus on storing up treasures for ourselves, what, what does that reveal? That reveals to us that we trust that accumulating those things 
is going to provide satisfaction, hope, and peace instead of relying on God. We rely on those things and our ability to acquire those things for comfort and peace instead of relying on the God of the universe. And so just to summarize it real quick, we were created by God to build his kingdom, not to build our own. And we fixate our attention on building our own kingdoms, then naturally those things won't satisfy, they won't last. And so we have to do more. We have to do more. Right? I mean, look at, look at your retirement right now in the midst of this nonsense. Right? How many of you are like grabbing a straw going, I got, I got to figure out a way to get it back up again. Right? And, and, and we look at those things and go, this is going to provide peace. But it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Right? In fact, the wealthy are some of the most unhappy people in the world. Uh, and I'm not knocking wealth. Like, don't think Colby's gone socialist. Like, listen to me. I'm saying this, that... that we were created by God for something bigger than just acquiring stuff and, and homes and, and building bigger barns to fill it with more stuff. And so what Jesus does in the parable that, he, that we read earlier is he kind of contrasts this by saying that worry, worry looks like building bigger barns and worry looks like acquiring more crops and stockpiling money. Um, and, and what he does is he says this is what worry looks like. He even calls the guy in the parable a fool for doing it. So Jesus, Jesus is coming with some heat on that one. We've got to be careful, right? And so you might be saying, like, um, Colby, you've never really been without, so you don't know what it's like. Well, that's not necessarily true. Um, you know, I've watched, I've been to places where I've seen, um, I've seen poverty. I've experienced it uh, myself. We haven't always been wealthy by, you know, the world standards. I mean, just the fact that we live in America, it makes us wealthy. Uh, maybe you're thinking, Colby, you've never seen, uh, you've never had to feed cows in the middle of a drought, and so we stockpile our barns with hay so they don't go without. Um, maybe you're thinking, Colby, your kids have never been without, so you don't really know what you're talking about, and you can't really question this rational, normal fear. But I want to look to the scriptures to be able to, to point out to you what Jesus is saying. Because what we're not saying here is don't go to the grocery store and buy food to feed your kids. We're not advocating a day-by-day -day, uh, functioning uh, lifestyle. But what we are saying is, is we want to recognize that God has created us for a bigger purpose than just acquiring wealth, acquiring stuff. And so look at verse 24. Jesus says, consider the ravens, these birds in the air. He says, they don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. God feeds them. And then he says, but aren't you worth more than the birds? You know, Jesus places so much value on his children. Um, and, and, and it's so much more than these birds that he continues to feed. And he says, yeah, these birds don't have barns. They don't have places to store up treasures. What Jesus is saying is this, is he will provide for his kids. So, so think about it, right? Number one, God gives his children a purpose that's bigger than just acquiring stuff. It's building his kingdom. And then he says, all right, I've given you a purpose. Now I'm going to fuel you to achieve that purpose. I'm going to provide. God gives provision. He gives us what we need every day to accomplish the purpose that he has given us. So that doesn't mean he gives us what we want all the time, but he definitely will give us what we need. You know, 
that fear of never having enough is fueled not by God, but it's fueled by looking at what our neighbors have, looking at the social constructs that we've built and wondering where we fit in the midst of that. We've all done it. And you know, I've got to work harder to get more so I feel like I fit in or I feel like I've made it. And when we, when we begin to focus horizontally on the things around us, instead of directing our attention vertically to what God's purpose is, then what happens is, is we get caught up and swept up in that whole lifestyle of acquire more, get more, take, and hold on to more. And what that does is this, is that takes us away from looking at God's purpose. And what that does is that puts our attention on the things that don't satisfy. And that's what leaves us anxious. And that's not good. But you're probably thinking, okay, Kobo, that's just, that's just stuff, right? What about, what about fear outside of just stuff, right? Like what about sickness and death and depression? Uh, Those aren't necessarily driven by selfishness. Well, I'm gonna, I feel like there's a cure for that in here. So let's look. Verse 25, he says, Can any of you add a cubit to his height by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? And so check this out. Uh, a cubit was a measurement is roughly 18 inches. And so what Jesus is saying here is, um, can any of you add 18 inches uh, to his height by worrying? Uh, Jesus is not... Um, saying that you can, if you try hard enough, get taller. Listen, I've tried, you know, 5'9 over here on a good day. Um, what Jesus is actually saying is this, is that worry doesn't add extra time to your life, right? You can't worry your way into longevity. In fact, worry actually is scientifically proven to make life more difficult. And it, worry looks different on everybody. For some people, you can tell that they've been stressed out and worrying because they lose weight. Others gain weight. Others wear it on their face. Uh, their heart, their, their body shuts down. Worry doesn't add to your life. In fact, it takes away. And here's the thing. Uh, and as a parent, I've been learning this, that worrying can't add years to my kid's life either. Uh, listen, if God, remember, faith is believing God exists. It's living as though God exists. And he keeps all his promises. So in light of faith, if God is who he claims to be, then check this out. Not only has God made us for a purpose, but God's love for us is so great. The Bible says that he knows every number of hair on our heads. I tell my daughter, he knows every freckle on you. Right? He knows not only every hair on our head, but he knows how you think. He knows how you feel. The Bible says that he's numbered our days, that he's created us for a purpose. And worry will not change that by any means. You cannot add any more days to your life or your kid's life with worry and fear. Look, I don't know the amount of days that I have left in my life. I can't control the longevity of it. Worry doesn't take away sickness. It doesn't take away death. Worry will not keep the corona out of your house. But on the flip side, we, and we need to be careful because there's a lot of preachers out there on TV saying this, uh, and in magazines and books and nonsense, that excess faith, having more faith, 
doesn't add years to your life either. More faith doesn't keep sickness away either. More faith doesn't protect your children from getting scrapes and, and bruises. More faith will not protect you and your family from difficulty, right? So worry doesn't take it away and more faith doesn't take it away. So why do we say that? Because the Bible tells us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? We all experience difficulty in this life. And, you know, we were talking about this earlier, Crit and I. Um, Noah's had strep five times this year, five times. And here we are, like, starting a church, trying to be um, a church for the unchurched, the de-churched, um, just trying to bring hope to the West Brazos area. And we've given our, our lives to this. And, and here we are. And, and one of my friends goes, man, like Noah's been sick a lot. We're like, yeah, five times. Look, me, me starting a church with a, a bunch of awesome people and, and, and submitting to what God wants for our family does not make us immune to sickness. Now, maybe cutting his, his tonsils and adenoids out will, but, but that doesn't prevent us from difficulty. And more faith or less faith doesn't add years to your life. It just simply makes life miserable. And it reveals like a, a problem within that we, we can't fix with stuff. And so what do we do with that? Well, I, I believe that God is sovereign. And what I mean by that is this, is that He controls when I say sovereign, I mean He controls the rising of the sun and the setting as well. He has set time on earth for all of us. He created all things, and He controls the universe. He's given me a purpose, and He's given you a purpose. And He has promised that when my purpose is up, that He will come and take me home to be with Him, which is way better than this place. And here's the thing, we can't alter that. Like, we're here, and when our time is done, it's done. We can't control it. However, we also don't use this as an, ex an excuse to be dumb or lazy or crazy, right? And we're not, like, knowing God is sovereign, and when my time is up, my time is up, so let me go rent a motorcycle and travel, you know, 200 miles an hour down the highway, standing up on the seat, just because if my time is up, my time is up. Now, that's silly. That's crazy, right? Um, we are expected to honor God with our bodies, our minds, and our lives, and everything. And so we utilize our time on this earth as long as we can to build God's kingdom. And you see, knowing that God has set our days gives us confidence. It gives us confidence to, to know that since He controls everything, that even when difficult times come, that He's not done with us yet. So Jesus gives us confidence that we don't have to fear the things that come for us or our kids. We don't have to fear the sickness because because he's got it all under control. And so Jesus gives us one more reason not to worry and then we'll be done. He says in verse 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, King Solomon, you guys know King Solomon, he's the wisest dude, right? Um, he says, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these wildflowers. If that's how God clothes the grass, remember we were talking about food and clothes earlier, which is these, these wildflowers are in the field today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow. How much more will he do for you? And then he says, you have little faith. You know, the level of care that God provides for these wildflowers is so great. 
He says it's greater than, they're, they're more beautiful than the splendor that King Solomon had. And you, could, you can read about King Solomon in Second Chronicles 9. Um, he was not only wise, but extremely wealthy, right? And his wealth was talked about vastly in Second Chronicles 9. But Jesus says that, the, that these wildflowers that were all throughout Israel, they were just scattered across the land. And he says that God has given them more attention and care than he did Solomon. And he's and these are these weren't like special flowers. Like you know what they did? They would take these flowers, let them dry out, and they would throw them in the oven to heat their food. That's why he says that they were here today and then they were thrown into the furnace. And so so what Jesus is telling us is this. He says that the care that I give to these flowers that you use for heating up your your dinner is tiny. In, the, in comparison to the care that I have for you. So sickness, death in your family, threats of difficulty and fear, they, they cause us to forget about the protection and care that he has provided for us. Because why? Because, well, we don't like suffering. And we assume that we shouldn't suffer. Or we think that I won't. I've tithe and gone to church. I didn't, I didn't cuss out that lady for cutting me off at the gas station. God's really proud of me, so he's going to keep cancer away. You know, one of the, 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 the most important men, uh, intellectual, you know, that have been important to me intellectually, his name's Ravi Zacharias. He's an um, apologist who uh, is known worldwide for defending the Christian faith. And uh, found out, you know, a few months back that he, um, had cancer in his back and he's been in Houston over the past uh, few months getting treatment and they just uh, announced the other day that Ravi's uh, cancer um, can't be treated, it can't, it can't be removed and so uh, it's amazing to, to see um, their love and trust in Jesus in the midst of difficulty and, and so we often live and function as if our faith prevents us from, from difficulty but that's not true, it's not biblical and you may know people who have told you, well, you just have to have more faith. You have to believe that God will, will take away that sickness or fix your eyesight or God will take away the struggles. But that's, that's not biblical at all. Um, I mean, Stephen was full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and yet he got stoned to death in front of, in front of a bunch of people. I mean, every, every apostle, um, almost every apostle was martyred to death for the name of Jesus. Faith has nothing to do with whether or not you uh, experience difficulty or sickness or death, but, but how we interact and approach that is important. And so here's what I want to get at, because I feel like I'm just kind of hitting a, a punching bag in the same spot over and over. When we lose focus of the care God has for us, you know what happens? Our faith, it takes a back seat. It dwindles. Remember, faith is living not just thinking, living as though God exists and He keeps all His promises. And so Jesus says, why do you lack faith then? You know, the promises of God that we talk about are fuel for helping us live a life that laughs or, or, or laughs in the face of anxiety or fear, right? And and we're not minimizing fear and anxiety. It's not what we're doing. But what we're saying is this, is that the promises of God, remember God has never failed. God always keeps His promises. 
The promises of God are listed here for us, and they're meant to fuel our faith, the way that we live, right? And so what we need to see is this, is that God has promised to provide for us, to care for us, to protect us, and to be with us so that we can achieve the purpose that He created us for. And, and listen, on our, in our time on earth, when, when that purpose is up, I know we're afraid of death, but the, the Christian has no reason to fear because what waits for us is far greater than anything we could experience now. And so Jesus says that, you know what, I know you want that peace and that hope that comes, but you're looking for it in the wrong places. We want confidence that only God can give. And, and the people that were listening to the story Jesus was sharing, remember there's thousands there? They want it too. Jesus says, for the Gentile world seeks it eagerly, and your Father knows that you need them. You know, the world wants what we want. They want peace and they want hope in the midst of struggle and fear. Uh, so how do we overcome it? Because, Colby, all, all you've done is, is tell us that we shouldn't fear and we shouldn't be anxious and that now I feel guilty for being fearful and for being anxious. Thanks a lot, right? Uh, how, do we, how do we find the cure and not just manage it, right? Um, because, I mean, like, for real, like, if I could find a way to overcome my fear of spiders and heights, I would, I would take that. And you know, we all approach it in different ways. Some of us manage our fear with medicine or... <laughs> Illegal medicine. Some of us deal with it with alcohol. Some of us, um, we, we, we do it with things that are destructive to our bodies. I want you to understand that you're not the only ones that fear. Like I, I worry about money. I worry about my kids' health. I, I worry, I get anxious over being respected. or I, I worry if this church is going to make it or not. So um, I want to know how I can grow in my faith too to overcome my fear. You're not alone in that. So Jesus says the answer is here in verse 31. Seek his kingdom, and all these things will be added or provided for you. He says in 32, don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. He says where your treasure is, there your heart is. So what is Jesus doing? Is he telling us to sell everything we have, go build a commune and live in peace and harmony? No, what Jesus is saying is this, is faith overcomes fear and anxiety when we focus on what we know about what is true and who God is. Faith overcomes fear when we focus on who God is and what is true. Um, the faith that Jesus is proposing seems radical because it's the exact opposite of how the non-Christian lives. He says, give away what you initially found hope in. Focus your attention on what matters, and that's God's kingdom, and that's people. And so the cure, it seems, for, for overcoming fear and anxiety is not more stuff. It's not Facebook. Um, it's not your retirement, the, the fear that we want to overcome is built on focusing on God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is built on His people, what Jesus has done for us. 
So I'm not saying don't go to counselors or I'm not saying don't go to doctors. Uh, if you do that, that's okay. But what I am saying is this is that maybe we need to examine um, our lives and see where we're placing our hope and trust in stuff and in things instead of placing our hope and our trust in who God is and his promises and then change it because faith is living as though God exists. It's not just understanding. Remember, it's living. We can live a life of faith because of who God is and what he's done. Faith is is about building the kingdom of God. It's about being in the kingdom business. It's not about building barns. We want to, at West Oaks, invest our life in people and not in things. You know, we're very fortunate to, to be able to start fresh and establish that from the get-go. Um, why? Because we believe that it's important to invest our lives in people because Jesus invested his life in people. Jesus didn't build mansions on earth. He didn't acquire barns full of storage. Jesus, in fact, told us to rely on him to receive our daily bread. He, he, he told us to rely on him for shelter and for jobs, etc. But he, listen, I'm not saying get rid of those things. Understand that he's the one that provides those things for us. And so that, that should challenge us to see the world from the right lens. Listen, our faith is directly predicated on our understanding of who God is and the promises that He's made for us. He never fails. Every promise God has made has come true. And every promise that He has made will come true. And so here's, here's my challenge to you. Here's my end thought. I'm not, I don't want you to walk away from this going, man, I'm anxious and I'm fearful and so I must be sinning and God must be mad at me and I must be a terrible Christian. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, is that when you fear and when you find yourself anxious, stop and begin to remind yourself of the promises of God that He has made and that He has kept. And it might help you to write them down. It may benefit you to keep a list of all the promises that God has made for you. And when you find yourself anxious and fearful, stop. Look at the promises. And ask God to help you to overcome that fear. Ask God to give you courage in the midst of fear. Ask God to to give you peace that surpasses understanding. Because ultimately, God is the reason why we have confidence to begin with. Every promise God has made is come true. And I I want us to rely on that today as we focus on um, faith. Because here's the thing, we're able to overcome fear and anxiety because he's faithful. Remember, we talked about this last week. We are able to have faith because he is faithful. And so when when you come across those things today, remember that God provides for you. He protects you. He has purpose for you. Look at those, all those P, those P words, alliteration. I'm a real preacher now. Um, we can trust God in all times of life, the good, the bad, the lonely, the, the fearful, the unsure, the confusing times. Why? Because He numbers our days. He's given us purpose for this time here. He provides and gives us fuel to achieve that purpose. And we can trust that He will continue to keep His promises. And so I want to pray for us. I appreciate you guys joining me today. And, uh, and, and, we'll, and we'll pray now. God, we love you. Thank you that you 
are a God that always, always keeps your promises. You, you have given us reasons to trust you. And when we are fearful and scared of real life situations, help us to stop and lean on you for, for peace and for hope instead of the things that we acquire. We love you because you first loved us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I appreciate you guys joining me today. I hope that your Mother's Day, ladies, is fantastic and fabulous. And I hope the rest of your day, uh, your week is great too. Uh, I love you guys. We'll see you on Tuesday for small group.